Welcome to the Coaching York podcast. To find out more about our offers and services, and to make suggestions for subjects that you'd like us to cover, go to coachingyork.co.uk. That's coachingyork.co.uk. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Coaching Your Podcast with me, Jeff Ashton. And me, Fiona Smith. So, Fiona, how is your Koine Greek today? Well, it kind of wasn't my area of specialism at school. I was a bit more down the science route. You might have had some some Greek in your science slipped in there with you being unawares. <laughs> anyway, so... um. Yeah, the Koine Greek. Koine Greek is, for people who are interested, it's the language of the pre-Christian era Greek philosophers, and Jewish listeners might know it as the language of the Greek Old Testament Septuagint. And it's also the Greek in which the New Testament, amongst other things, was written. And in case you think you're in the wrong podcast, um, let me reassure you, this does have something to do with coaching. A lot of the language that we have in our own English language has been borrowed or inherited from other languages and Greek has had an influence on English and one area where it's had an influence is in the use of the word time. Now time is one of those words in English which uh, can obscure all kinds of interesting ideas and nuances that um, aren't necessarily obvious but would be obvious if you were speaking about time in another language. So I'm going to introduce a couple of couple of words and uh, Fiona you can tell me what you think about these so let me ask you the question. Uh, how would you respond to the question, what time is it? I think that's beyond uh, time for a cup of tea then. Yeah, I could tell you the time on the clock. I could tell you whether it's morning or afternoon. Now, our old, old Greek friends had a word for that kind of time, which was chronos, from which you'll be surprised to learn we get chronology or chronograph, so time or the passage of time. So here's another question for you. If I were to ask you, what time have we just come out of? How would you respond to that? Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, I like to think we've come out of the time of COVID mostly. I guess we've come out of an Elizabethan era. We've come out of winter and finally we're moving through spring and into summer. That's definitely something we're noticing. So there's a different word that the Greeks had for that. The word they would use for that kind of time is kairos. So kairos refers to epochs or phases of time or moments of time that are significant. So, as you said, there was an Elizabethan era. There was a time when England had the best football team in the world. There was a time when there was winter. There was a time when I decided to become a freelance coach and abandon my previous career. So that's um, that's kairos as opposed to chronos. OK, so chronos is about clocks, calendars that type of time and then Kairos more about the significance that we apply to a, a period of time and how we label that period of time I think I think I probably do I, I would imagine that um, philosophers and linguists would like to be a bit more precise uh, but I, I think just broadly thinking in those two categories can be quite helpful and certainly helps us uh, I think as we think about how time shows up in some of our normal conversations but also in coaching conversations so what kinds of things would you do to help a client think about issues that arise with, let's say, chronographic time? In that area, the, the sort of things I hear clients talk about a lot are things to do with time management, pressures on their time, quite a lot 
will come up one way or another to do with what we sort of label as work-life balance, how we um, manage those different elements of time and um, how much we dedicate to to different parts of that time. Yeah, it's interesting. It, and interesting, just, just the way we use language again there, when you, you talk about work-life balance, which is very, very common language there's possibly other ways we could we could think about those two ways in which um uh, those other two dimensions to life that we could think through but that's one for a for another chronological time i would suggest yeah so for me it would come up with things like yeah yeah similar to the ones you were saying but also people uh, making statements like i need time for i have to find time for i need to make time um i do have a little analogy that I throw out to people to try and uh, stimulate some thinking around this. So there's a, here's a stimulating thinking analogy. Jonah, let me know what you make about this. If you thought about your time in the same way as you thought about your money, how would you spend it? Hmm. It's definitely not a way I've thought about time before. And I'd have to really think then about that. That's kind of changing how I look at and, and, and think about time. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I think the the way I view time in the way of view money is is very very different. But I see your your point that they're they're both um, finite resources that I've got choices about. Um, would it help if I just unpack that a bit and let you know what uh, what strange things were going on in my head when I came up with this analogy? So I guess what got me onto this was just this word spend. We spend time. And I thought, well, what else do we spend? We spend money. Is there some kind of way of using one of those to think about the other? So that I thought about four different ways that I spend my money and then how that could help me think about four different ways I spend my time. And I use, do use this in conversation with clients. So I thought about um, the money that I spend because it's already spoken for before I've earned it. So stuff I have to spend on housing costs or food or heat or this kind of stuff. And in the same way, it makes me think that there is there are bits of my time which are already spoken for and, and that will get spent whatever I want to do with them. I do have to sleep. I do have to eat. And to that extent, helpful to, to think with clients about time that they've really got no control over for whatever reason. And then there's there's money that I can I can spend. Maybe I have to spend it, but I have some choice over how I spend it. So I, I have to buy food to live. But. How much food, what kind of food, how expensive it is. These are all things I have some some choices over. And it's the same with uh, with time is that there are some things that I know I'm going to have to spend my time on. But how I spend that time, I do have choices over. So communication is one example. So I have to communicate with people. But how do I do that? Do I do it by email? Do I do it by phone? Do I go and see people? It's time I have to spend, but the way I spend that, I've got a reasonable amount of amount of choice over. So what are those choices and what drive them? Third one I thought about was time that time that I use, but with a view to investing it. So think about the, you know, the money side of it. There's money that I save or invest, invest, put in investments. I've always done this. However, however little I've earned, I've always put some away for some for some reason. And the idea with an investment is that you don't spend it now, because if you don't spend it now, you might get back more later on. Sometimes you don't, but that's the idea of an investment. And time, similarly, there are some things that I would spend time on, and there's no immediate return. But in the longer run, 
there might be. And we might think about one or two of those, or what they might be. And just the last area is there's money I give away. And again, something I've always done. And I know many of our listeners uh, similarly will will have the view that uh, if they've got spare cash from it, they would like to, 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 to give away to other, other causes or other people. And this is money that you never see any benefit you never see any benefit from yourself, but you give it away with the conscious view of seeing it benefit other people. And that comes up for me in coaching relationships around time as well, in that there are some people who are very generous with their time. Sometimes that can be very healthy, other times not so healthy because they might write somebody a blank check and basically say any amount of my time you want, you can have, and consequently aren't very good at setting boundaries. And if you kind of use money as an analogy, you think, well, you know, if you spent your money like that, you'd run out very quickly. And that can be a, a quite a powerful way of helping people think about what they're spending their time on, how effectively it's being spent, and what the consequences are both for them and for other people of, of how they spend it. So those are my those are my four areas of making that comparison between spending money and spending time. Time that you have to spend, time that you choose to spend time that you invest and time that you give away. Two things that really sort of stand out for me from that, which really kind of made me think, oh, yeah, and where I've seen it and working with clients on the choices that they make. One was around the investment of time, choosing to do things that will help you in the future, um, but maybe sort of adapting into I don't know, new ways of working, you might have been promoted into a new role and you need to get your head around, well, what do I need to do to make this a success? And actually the the demands on how you spend your time change. And I guess that also, it ties into your your last point as well about how generous you are with your time and, and again, where you allocate it. And one of the things that was making me think about was... Um, we have conversations with people who are moving to a more senior position in an organisation, maybe moving from a more sort of managerial role into a more leadership role. And suddenly what they need to do with their time is different. So they're, they're doing changes as they move from doing tasks to the doing is a lot more about having conversations, building relationships, making connections. And I think that can be a really challenging time of, of people still valuing their time and what they are doing with it. Don't know, have you have you have you seen similar with that, Jeff? I have actually. You reminded me a little bit more of the analogy with that, in that the analogy between um, money that you would put in, I don't know, an interest-bearing bank account, and money that you might put in stocks and shares. So money you put in stocks and shares, you might get it back, you might lose it all because the market might crash. Money you put in an interest-bearing bank account, you know you're going to get something back from it. There's a guaranteed return, even if it's not a huge amount. Now, if you're investing your time in a task and you know that there will be a result at the end of the task, then you can see the return you're getting for the time that you're spending. Whereas something like building relationships with people, building up contacts, having conversations, that can be quite different. So on the one hand, yes, in the long run, they, they can bear huge amounts of benefit and even in the short term. But on the other hand, it can go the other way that people can be very happy to um, use your time as a, as a leader or a manager, use your expertise 
but then just use it for themselves and then you don't get any return for it. And, and that can be a bit challenging. So that following the conversation that then comes up uh, around that with uh, leaders in coaching is around how much risk people want to take with their time. And so there are those relationships that you invest in where you you know you're going to get something back from it. And there's others which are maybe a bit more speculative. And how do you decide between the two? And how do you manage that risk? And particularly if if you've had an investment and it's gone wrong, you've given your time to someone. I mean, I've done this, I mean, other people have. And it's like someone's just taken what you've given them and then you stop being useful to them anymore. And then, well, what happened to that relationship? I thought we had some kind of a relationship here. Obviously, it wasn't. That bring anything to mind? I can definitely think of clients I've worked with who have one way or another experienced that and are challenged to deal with the, the consequences of that. Because ultimately how you invest your time is actually even if that's in the work environment there's there's a, there's a strong personal element to it because you are making choices about what you do and you are using your judgment in many cases to decide what to do so i have seen there with clients who are like well they're quite um impacted by that negative experience of almost being their time being used by someone else for for someone else's gain and then it's about how you explore with them how to deal with that, how to think about that, how that informs their, 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 their future relationships. It helps them to, to explore that, to be able to talk about it and then to be able to go, well, actually, do you know what? Um, I've, I've maybe learned something from that, but I have, I still come back to my, 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 my choices about either how I want to focus on my career development, therefore what I will do, or what's important to me from a values perspective, therefore these are the things that I will do. And actually to to take out the emotional part to understand it and then choose how to deal with it. So in some respects, you you can, you know, as a coach in those circumstances, you're a bit like a time investment consultant, <laughs> Help, helping helping the client to work out you know, where their investment's going to go and what kind of criteria they might might apply. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's say I've just come out of an experience of having invested time with somebody thinking that that was going to be a reciprocal relationship turned out to be one way. And now I'm in the situation where I have some I have some time to invest in a new professional relationship. And I'm looking for some criteria to help me think about how I might apply or invest that time. So if you were coming down to maybe two or three key, key questions, you'd ask me to think about where, where would you where would you invite me to start by thinking about that? One of the things that immediately springs to mind is about contracting. Very often when we go into um, projects, relationships, what, what, you know, whatever, whatever it is, whatever that interface is with someone, the, the, the two or however many parties will go in with their, their, their assumptions about what it's for, what what maybe they want to get out of it, what the overall goal is, etc. But the bit that, that, that I would sort of start to to explore with you is a bit about do you do do all parties have a shared understanding of that? Have you actually explored your understandings to know whether you are all coming from the same place and working towards the same thing and have the same expectations? And whilst contracting is quite a formal word, as a as an enabling process. Same as at the start of a, a, a coaching conversation where your contract as to what you, you're going to cover in that session and what the client wants to get out of it. 
um, it can be a really, really enabling thing to do. Uh, it made me think of a couple of things, actually. So I, I, I thought about um, how you might track your investment uh, and also in indicators of, of success. So one of the one of the, the, the tracking things I, I look for now in my relationships is uh, when it comes to arranging, you have a conversation, then it comes to arranging future conversations. So who takes the initiative with that? If I'm in a relationship, but well, I'm forever initiating it and I'm not getting it back the other way, then that's an indicator to me that this isn't particularly a two-way relationship. Or if I'm saying, oh, let's meet again on X and there's an excuse as to why that can't happen and that starts to become a pattern, then again, I'm thinking, well, okay, you're not really invested reciprocally. But there's also signals. Uh, I might have mentioned this on a previous pod and I'll probably forget I've said it and we'll mention it again. But I think the best line manager I ever had at the end of every meeting, he would always say to me, is there anything else you need from me? And it didn't matter what time of the day it was. Um, and this particular guy, he, he got to, he started work very early. So if we were meeting at five o'clock in the afternoon, he was pretty tired. But he would always ask that, is there anything else you need from me? And if ever I did say to him, I really need you to do this, or you, I really need your help with X, he would always find a way of making that happen. And it was that constant signal, uh, which basically reassured me that although, you know, as a manager, he's very demanding, but in a very good way, it was also a, a, a very reciprocal relationship in that he was, he was willing to, to take from his time and expertise and reinvest that back in me and that was a very good indicator that this was definitely a relationship worth investing in and when I, we went our separate ways in terms of line management we still kept in touch and still provided mutual support on various issues which is uh, which is great yeah that's uh it's interesting the power that that can have isn't it of um the difference it makes for you as uh, uh, when working for someone like that but just changing the subject slightly so we I, I came up and used an analogy. Now, analogies land differently with people. So curiously enough, um, I start off with a, an analogy based around finance, which is your background. And your reaction was, I'm not entirely sure this is landing, but it's a bit clearer how you've explained it, uh, which is which is fine because um, analogies do land differently with people in terms of how, how effective they are. If you were to think of another way of, of helping a client think about time, in a kind of a, a, um, a tangential way, what, um, what, what kind of angle would you go for? I think there's sometimes a way of helping people to stop and think about where they enjoy spending their time and what aspects of their time are positive for them. And I think there's something around actually really, it's not something that we generally do we don't stop and think about well how much of my day have I enjoyed today <laughs> um what are the things that you're doing that give you something that that, that 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 contribute positively to your day's experience your week's experience whatever that is it can be it can be a useful way of uh again it's a bit like your analogy it's something you put in there to to challenge and help someone to think differently and I think doing that and actually doing almost like, um, you know, if you think about something like, a, let's say, the balance wheel that you use for looking at different aspects of your life and how you'd score it. Um, it's almost like if you look at how different ways you're choosing to spend your time and how you would score them in terms of, you know, 
positive, negative, whatever language labeling you want to use. Uh, it can be a really good way of getting people to have insights about it. Really interesting. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll do another pod sometime on on the, the Ignatius of Loyola's daily examen. Sorry? Um, <laughs> the, the, the daily examen. So um, yeah, well, my favourite coach, uh, 16th century, I think the guy was, uh, one of the things he would do, he would have an end of day reflection and he had, he had some criteria he would apply and he'd say, let's go back to the beginning of the day and think about the day and various things that have happened in it. And using what you were talking about there, one of those reflections could be in this, during these last 24 hours, when have I done something that energized me or made me happy or I thought was fulfilling and just picking out those moments. So on, on one level, that identifies the kind of things that do that for people. But there's also some deeper reflection we could potentially do around that. I think that one's, that one's for another time, Fiona, that'll be quite fun. We'll have to have to think through that one. It's really interesting, isn't it? Especially when you think about... Um how increasingly popular journaling has been has become um and journaling in effect a way of tracking and recording events in time and i wonder actually for people who journal how much they do go back and look over uh, and reflect on um, what they've written in the past i i have just gone over my last 10 year journal so wow here we go <laughs> And in common with all journals, it's a bit episodic. So there are huge gaps where I wrote nothing. But uh, See, I'm desperate. It. I'm desperate now to ask. And so <laughs> <laughs> I think that will definitely be for another conversation. I think it will. I think it will. Right. Fiona, we're running to get, we're running out of time. So um, can we can we finish with uh, one particular thought that you'd like to leave people with? I would say do that reflection on your on, on your day of um, looking back and thinking what 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 made me happy what fulfilled me what what was good about today actually and i think that is so good we'll just leave it with that one so thank you for your time and uh, we'll look forward to doing this all again sometime if you're listening thank you for listening thank you bye-bye